Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone. Thanks once again for stopping by Exit Your Way Live. With me today, I'm Damon Pastalka, and with me today, I've got Mike Finger from Exit Oasis. Thanks for stopping by, Mike. Hey, Damon. Great, great to be here. Yes, yes. Well, I'll get my microphone over by me so it doesn't sound like I'm talking into a bucket, first of all. So, Mike, um, great to have you because it's 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 interesting what you do and, and how you're helping people. And when I look at it, I really I connect with it, first of all, obviously, as we, we will find out. But but then I uh, whoops, whoops, I've got I had my other sorry, I had my other uh, I'm getting something else up and it started to play. This is live. Um, but but uh, as we talk about it, it'll be interesting. Um, you you've done something that a lot of people haven't had, and we'll get to that uh, as you as we go down the road of your history and things. But you've done four business exits, which mo- unless you're in it as an investor, a private equity group running in and out of businesses, even that doing four of them, if you've been in them and run them and done those things, is, is really unique. So I'm I'm really excited to talk with you today. Yeah, same same. Yeah. So kind of where, where did this all start for you, your entrepreneurial journey? Um, you know, I've always been a fan of uh, Michael Gerber's explanation of the uh, entrepreneurial seizure uh, that, that most of us end up having that causes us to be a, you know, to be a business owner. Uh, yeah. that, was, that was my experience. My wife and I, uh, in the mid-90s, uh, tripped across an opportunity and... Uh, made the decision to to leap at it um we literally cut our dining room table in half to make two desks and started the business out of our living room uh it uh oh man it it was uh you know down and dirty we bootstrapped um i I still have memories of lining up the credit cards on my desk deciding which one had a free offer that i could use to pay the other one to um it makes me smile, but it also makes me a little nauseous when I, uh, oh, yeah. when I, when I think back on that. But uh, the business grew and uh, um, through that uh, tripped across a second opportunity uh, doing similar work for a different market. Uh, long story short, after 10 years of what seemed like 18 hour days, which were probably just 12 to 14 hour days. Yeah. Um, after 10 years, I reached a point of uh, um, uh, toastiness. I, I, I was this crispy piece of toast, ready to absolutely get out and do something else. Um, yeah. We, we had had success growing the business. I had 50 full-time employees at the time. Wow. Uh, and uh, I had come to the conclusion that they were all trying to kill me. Damon, you know, it's one of those things you joke about. Uh, I would tell people I was scheduling in my uh, my heart attack, but that's how it felt. And uh, just the weight was um, 
I was ready. I was done. I was ready to be done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, you, you, you find that a lot in business owners really. And, and I don't, I don't think people that, that are not entrepreneurs or business owners really don't appreciate that because that, that feeling is just that is like, this thing could kill me. And, and it's not like, maybe it's like a definite possibility. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I say some of these things and it sounds like maybe it's just color commentary, but I can remember hiding under my desk in my office because I just didn't want to deal with anybody else for the rest of the day. It was just, I needed a little quiet time. And it, it sounds ridiculous to say it here, but um, that's, and again, by all outwards appearances, the business was successful. I was doing my job, um, but uh, I had reached a point of, of burnout that um, I, I needed to do something about. And so I had, I had thought I had done my homework, right? I had read the article a couple of years before that said uh, businesses in my industry sold for two times revenue. Yeah. And so I, I kept I kept doing the math and pushing my uh, pushing my revenue higher and higher because I figured, well, even if I just get one times that that number, that's that's a good runway for whatever I decide to do next. Um, and lo and behold, um, a couple calls to business brokers. It, 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 what actually triggered it is a is a competitor that had reached out to me. Yeah. And uh so I put together a little package and, you know, here's, here's a little bit more about the business. And then I didn't hear anything. And it was, it was silence until I reached back out and he said, you know, we're, we're, we're not interested. So I reached out to a couple business brokers and started to get the list of symptoms from them. Right. Um, two owner dependent, not enough cash flow, da, 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 you know, the ones we can tick off, um, they all translate to one thing, uh, unsellable. Yeah. And so I found myself 10 years in, uh, sitting at my desk with my uh, head in my hands and uh, wondering what I was going to do because I couldn't get out and I didn't think I could stay in. Yeah. God. That, I, that makes your stomach just kind of turn talking about it. If... <laughs> Uh, I, I can smile because I know the end of that story. Yes. Um, yeah. But I, here's the reality, uh, Damon, and you know this better than I do. Um, all business owners experience, experience those moments, but a, an incredibly high number reach that brick wall and don't live to tell about it. Um, yeah. I was lucky enough at that point to be able to um, find a way through that to create some changes in the business that allowed me to get to a place where we were able to sell it five years later. Uh, ironically, five years later, when we sold it, we had the same employee count. We had the same uh, revenue uh, figure, but we had been able to change the business so that it would actually be attractive and viable uh, by a buyer. Ah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So when you were doing that, how did you how did you really figure out what changes you were going to make? You know, it's one of those things that when I look back at myself um, 
I, I don't understand how I didn't ask these questions, right? I mean, I, I um, and, and you know, I was going doing a back and forth with someone on on LinkedIn yesterday, talking about this place that we get to as owners, um, where we're ready to sell, right? You, we run the business, we run the business, we run the business, boom, I'm ready to sell. And then most of us, and I, by most of us, you know the numbers, right? 80% yeah. of businesses are never going to sell. Yeah. Um, so most of us that reach that point um, suddenly find out that the fact that I'm ready to sell has nothing to do with whether or not the business is ready to be sold. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, is that all of the influences that have brought me there, whether it's burnout, whether it's a family issue, um, right? You got to move across the country, whatever it is that brought you to the point of I'm ready to sell, uh, doesn't go away. Uh, even, yeah. you know, when you've suddenly recognized, um, the fact that the business isn't ready. So, yeah. um, reaching that point for me, it was, it was down and dirty in the trenches, and I think the starting point and one of the places that I try to bring um, folks that I talk with to as quickly as possible is let's take a step back and let's put on a buyer's pair of glasses for a second. And, and let's talk about what are the basic needs that anybody who buys a business, not, not anybody, but let's, let, let's, let's, be, um, let's be accurate. Most anybody that buys a business, what, what does a buyer look like? You, you know, Damon, it's, it's an individual, right? They're planning to work full-time in the business. They're planning to take a salary from the business and mm -hmm. use it to buy food for the family. Okay, so those are, the, you know, those are some basic realities for a buyer that if your business doesn't satisfy, you're not going to be able to sell that business. Or at the very least, you've dramatically limited the pool of potential buyers. Yes. Um, and so when I started to look at my own business that way, I came to the realization that all of this self-sacrifice that I had been doing for the last 10 years that I thought was building value was in fact doing the opposite, right? It, it, it was creating a, a job um, I, I, t I ask people, you know, if your job sucks, why would someone want to pay you for the opportunity to do that? Yeah. yeah. 18 hour days doing lousy work, never see the family, low pay. Yeah. Who wants to buy that? Yeah. Um, but that's the business I had built. Yeah. Yeah. You so, see that a lot, Damon. Oh yeah. Yeah. You see it, you see it a lot. And, and as you say that, um, it also creates this kind of weird codependency on the business and, and and with you too because you know you get to that point even if you're burnt out you're asking yourself well, well what the hell am i going to do after this if i sell it today right and it, because that's all you know it's i mean you, you know a lot of times they've given up given up friends always you've given up time with family uh you know and sometimes marriages if it's if it's bad uh, if, it, yeah. if it's bad and and that thing becomes more like a family member than anything else and, and even if it's an ugly dependency on each other they don't want to leave that's right it's it's just it, it is it is a weird thing but once you started getting your business into that point did it become easier for you to run were you were you able to 
you know, not be 18 hours a day, 14 hours a day, maybe, or what, what, what did you really see once you started to, to get your business in a shape to be sold? Yeah, it's, it's so funny because it was a, a journey. It was an embarrassing journey of self-awareness, Damon. And let me give you a, a real simple example. Um, one of the things that became very clear to me when I started looking at the business from a, from an owner dependence perspective was the fact that I had a lot of trouble being in the room and not being in the room, right? If I was on site, if I was in the meeting, I, I had a tendency to be that guy, be that manager. And I, I knew as long as I did that, um, that that owner, and I had great people. I, I mean, I had great people. Um, and they had essentially developed a crutch for me and for my tendency to do that. So uh, one of the things that I ended up having to do is I, I, I bought a small building on a, on, a, on a main street in a town near where we live. And I stopped going to the office and I started going there for work each day. And so now I'm, I'm 45 miles away from the office. I've got people in positions in the office doing yeah. the job, running the business, but I had to essentially um, put myself in prison to keep myself from messing with the business and, uh, you know, reinforcing that owner dependence. So, I, I mean, that's that's one example of where once I started to recognize what I needed to do. Um, it wasn't always clean or easy to do it, but when you realize, I mean, it just, it makes such common sense when you look at it, right? Nobody wants to buy a business that's dependent on the owner. I mean, it's just common sense, right? But yeah. when you're sitting in the owner's chair, doing the work every day, putting out fires, saving the day, doing those things that you had to do for the first five years during startup, that if you hadn't done, the place never would have survived, right? Yeah. We're not talking about, I, I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I see that sometimes. Um, the, the story is about starting with the end in mind and, you know, you need to, you need to build the business. I don't know about, where do those people come from that tell those stories? How much money did they have in the bank to start with? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, so it, it was that journey of recognizing what a buyer was going to need and then getting the crowbar out to pull myself away from whatever it was that I was causing that was creating the problem. Um, because I'm a firm believer that if you're the owner, it, it almost always comes back to you. Yeah. Um, either, either the cause of the problem or the, uh, the solution to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something. And, and uh, 45 miles away, you pride yourself out of it with a crowbar. I like that. Exile, exile. Yeah, exile. exile. I wrote that and down. You know what happened, David? You know what happened when I did that? The business got more profitable. My staff got more, um, uh, showed more ownership about what what their jobs were and what they were doing, and uh, it was embarrassing. I mean, uh, clearly, I had done a good job of hiring the right people, but uh, so there were things I did well, but um, being there sharing my anxieties and my stress with everyone was not, yeah. uh, was not making things happen. Yeah. I'm writing it down. I'm just good. Ownership exile. I, I like that. I like exile. I like that word because it makes sense. I mean, when we talk about it with, with, with 
and all the way through. Well, let's start back at the beginning. You know, you're sitting there and you're starting this thing up and you're doing like you're saying with the crap. I mean, that's real life. I mean, that's real life. You're like, hey, are we going to be in business tomorrow? That's right. Uh, I got $50 here. I got, you know, whatever it is, you're rolling that around. And it is incredibly hard to break away from that. Yep. And you see uh, me as a business owner, you as a business owner, anyone else that's done this and not gone through that process where you've ex extracted yourself forcefully from this. I mean, you'll see business owners that are looking at $2 items and where did that $2 go when they've got a $20 million business if they're not careful. And really they're, they're yes, someone's got to be watching that, but obviously not the owner. And then surely not the owner when you're trying to get that thing ready to sell because the businesses have to run on their own. And because otherwise you're the value and you just walked out the door when it closed or when That's you right. left. Yeah. So, yeah. and that, that, that even that implies that you're creating value, right? I mean, how many owners have I talked to that are overwhelmed, underpaid, you know, I, I, I remember sitting drinking coffee across the table at a public restaurant with a woman uh, talking about her business and um, recognizing that there was no value there. She had been working minimum wage, you know, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. Any buyer would have been so much further ahead to just go get a part-time job somewhere. Literally. I, I mean, I'm not... Yeah literally further ahead getting a part-time job somewhere and she it, she and she wasn't looking for a huge amount of money right she wanted 50 grand for the business yeah, yeah. and i there's nothing here yeah there's nothing here and um it's uh it's it's a hard place to be it's a hard place to be as an owner and i say that as someone who was there yeah. Uh, and I, you just look at yourself and you think, how could I have missed it? How, how did I how did I not understand um, what is it going through the minds of an owner that allows us to get to that place and think there must be a way out? Yeah. 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 That's a great point, because it, it is. It, it, and there there is something that that clicks that makes it for whatever reason, you just don't even think about that. They think about the business and keeping the business going and, and, and these things that that don't make sense. And when you look at it in hindsight, like you did. So that was that was interesting. And then you then you moved on and and you've done a few things since. But your your whole focus and what you're doing now with Exit Oasis. Can you kind of tell us about that, your ideas behind that and what you thought there? Yeah, so the, here, here's here's the premise. Um, it's it, it struck me as I was going through this and, and subsequent to that, and I, I've been lucky enough, um, I sold those first two businesses and uh, was lucky enough to buy and sell two additional businesses, quite honestly, to simply prove to myself that the first time wasn't a fluke. Yeah. What I had learned could result in that. Um, yeah. And and so the the premise that I have, Damon, and you 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 call me out on it if you if you disagree. Um, this whole sell a business industry is populated by professionals who, by and large, make a living managing complexity for people. 
they uh, selling a business is it tends to be a technical process. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. Um, there is a, a there's a multitude of things that a broker or an agent or, or those that help need to understand legally tax. It's a complicated industry. Mm -hmm. And so it's quite understandable that most practitioners in the industry focus on the complexity. The problem is, is that most owners, especially small business owners, fail to sell because of very simple things. They don't, uh, they don't, they never get to the place where they're, they're, they're screwed up by a complexity because they failed to, to manage the very simple elements of what a business that has transferable value looks like. And so the idea behind Exit Oasis was to create a space where business owners can um, see content and engage in an education process that will help them understand the 95% of what creates um, a, a, a business that a buyer is gonna be interested in. And so that's really been the focus is the idea is, um, what are the basics? What is what does a sellable business yeah. look like? And if you'll indulge me, I'll tell you what the answer to that question let's, is. Let's hear it. Um, number one, your results by your business, right? For almost every small business owner who sells, the buyer of that business is going to use the cash flow of the business to pay for the business. Mm -hmm. And so if I don't have results, that can do that, that can allow my buyer to pay off the loan that they took to buy the business and to buy groceries, I don't sell my business. So it yep. starts with my results by my business. Then we ask three questions about the results. And I, I, I call it the, a 3D perspective on your results. Number one, are my results desirable? Number two, can a buyer duplicate my results? And number three, can I document my results? And my premise is if you as a business owner can answer yes to those three questions, your odds of selling your business have gone up exponentially. Yes. If you can't, it's almost certainly going to result in an inability to sell your business. Those are pretty simple issues. I, 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 we don't have to get real complex. We don't have to talk about ratios. You need to be able to answer yes to those three questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that we've never talked about those things before, and I think those three things are the results by buy my business or sell my business, buy my business, wherever you want it. It is it is crazy. It is desirable, crazy simple, and you've hit them right on the head. It's I'm just sitting here kind of flabbergasted a little bit actually because desirable. Can I duplicate them and and can I document them? Because it is that covers it. Because most most times it's it's that because the the biggest thing that stops a business transaction is usually the price that you're going to get paid for the business. Yep. And if it's if it's desirable and it's the right amount, basically, yep. you're going to get paid what you want. Yep. And it, and if you can duplicate it or someone can see how they're going to continue that business and can, can continue growing it. They feel comfortable that de-risk that that buy for them, purchase for them, and then documenting it is even better because if they can see how you know if the financials are clean and everything else, and they can look through all that, that just makes it even more comfortable with buying. But 
any one of those three simple things, like you said, derails it all, all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the, and we can talk about derail and you're absolutely correct about that. But what people don't understand is those deals that get derailed are the rare exception because most have gotten rejected by the broker before they ever get listed. Right. Yes. The ones who actually fail at selling their business um, are the rare ones because most of us have failed to create a business that can be sold. I, I talk to brokers that, you know, it, it ranges from eight out of 10 to nine out of 10. Sometimes when they're really, uh, when they're really skeptical, it's 14 out of 15, but that's what they tell me uh, the number of calls that they get from business owners, the rejection rate. I'm yeah. going to pass on eight out of 10 uh, uh, sellers because I don't want to waste my time with this business because this guy tells me um, he wants a million dollars for the business, but his, his tax returns show him losing money every year. But hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Those aren't the real numbers, right? Or um, we talk about desirability of results. And again, I know from personal experience that you can work thousands and thousands of hours of overtime a year and not take a penny. And that the business, the mechanics of the business can benefit from that, but that's not desirable, right? I mean, that doesn't create yeah. an outcome that I, as a buyer go, Ooh, I got to get me some of that. And, and that's what we're talking about when we talk about desire. It's not, not complicated. I want that life. Damon, I want your life. Look at this guy. He's got, you know, 20 hour work weeks. He's pulling in this kind of cash. He, he meets really cool people, travels around, whatever it is that your yeah. particular buyer is going to be looking for. And, Buyers are all different about what's yeah. attractive to them. I'm not saying your story has to be identical to someone else, but it has to be desirable. It has to be a result that a buyer can duplicate, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so I, what, what I've, you know, when I talk about this um, and it, it's hard to talk about it without, without sometimes it's seeing, an, it, it's seeming insulting, but this is the elementary school of sell your business. That's what Exit Oasis is designed to be. It's not designed to be super complicated because it doesn't have to be. In fact, the more people spend time on the complexities, unless they're in a middle market sized business or something, I think learning how to sell a business is a waste of time. It's a waste of time for a business owner. I, I talk to business owners who just got done with their four hour ESOP luncheon where they took a deep dive on this very narrow particular way of selling their business. And, and it's never going to happen for them. Right. I mean, it's, but somehow they feel they've educated themselves towards their exit when in fact, all they've done is reinforced the myth uh, that we have that our businesses are sellable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, Sherry Lally's got a question here. So it's inventory brand and past performance. And I, I, I let, let you elaborate a little bit on you. You know, when you talk about past performance, when I, when I look at past performance and, and we look at financials, right? I always think when I say past performance is financials, maybe there's other things she's thinking, but that to me just sets the price if you can sell it. Yeah. If you can sell it, right? So yeah. if I make a million dollars or I make a hundred dollars, it really doesn't matter. There's yeah. there's some sort of mythical multiple that that uh, uh, 
valuation people or brokers will put on that. And, and that's in a perfect world if you could sell it. But it really is about the things, the, whether you can sell it or not, is the, the, is the thing, really. It's go, no go, more than you know how much until you get past the simple things, like you said. Is it a business that somebody else would like to work in? And like, I, you hit it so well. Can they continue selling the way you are or making more money? And then is it is it all easily to to show that you're actually doing it and the documentation of that thing? And and I think, yeah, you know, past performance is important because that sets a price. But if you don't have, uh, like you said, a desirable business that that's easy to keep the sales coming like they are and the profits going, it's not going to go anywhere. That's right. That's right. It, it's a. Um... And to, to me, it speaks to some of the other challenges that we have as owners to overcome in terms of knowledge in this area, because you and I both know that um, value is, is a big buzzword in, in, in business sales, right? Um, yeah. We'll maximize your value, we'll increase your value, do these things to improve the value of your business. And, and I get it. The problem that I have is that all of that implies that there's some value there to begin with. Yes. And, and again, if 80% of small businesses will never sell, that tells me that in most of those cases, the value there is min, minimal, right? I mean, our stuff is always worth something, right? We can yeah. always sell our stuff. Yeah. But uh, when people talk about selling their business, they're not talking about selling their stuff for 20 cents on the dollar. They're talking about taking... 30 grand of equipment that somehow produces $350,000 of seller's discretionary earnings, that's the kind of business that a buyer wants to buy. Um, and, and so it's, it's overcoming that understanding or that, that, that sometimes it feels like a, a tidal wave of, of misinformation. And again, I don't think it's done intentionally. Uh, like I said, I, I, I think this is an industry, I believe it's an industry, it's an industry defined by complexity. Mm -hmm. It really sucks when you hear the story of somebody who whose deal fell through because the broker forgot to do such and such, or, or the banker couldn't get this element of it, to, right? I mean, that's the scary stuff that we hear. Yeah. What we don't hear about is the eight out of 10 owners that get hung up on by the business broker because the broker thinks, why would I waste my time? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying I, to speak to the eight out of 10. Yeah. And, and we have those calls every week. We have those calls or my partner does. We have them every week. And, and when you, when you look at that and, and you, you know, it's the same thing. And, and uh, when you sit down with somebody, and you talk to them about their business. It, and we went back to this while, it's their baby. And there's nothing worse in my mind in business than when I would sit down with somebody or my partner would, and we, Andrew, and he'd sit down and we'd talk to him. We'd say, listen, Mike, your business is worth $300,000, $3 million. It doesn't matter what the number was. And it's, you know, you can just tell in their eyes when they hear that number, it is way less than they thought or, or need. And that that is why when when we first met and I saw Exit Oasis, I was like, wow, 
there's somebody else that kind of connected with me on that part of it because that's what drove us to do what we do and to and to really talk to these these business owners about this as much as we can and then even if they're willing to at a certain point help in different ways um to to get their businesses ready to sell if there's something there to you know and and quite honestly the worst part is is most people wait too long and they they physically mentally whatever it is they can't do like you did in the business that, that the first business you were able to get out of and take that five years and do whatever you're going to do and and get it prepared and actually exit it right. they're just like there's no way i'm going to do this i'm going to change my life i'm going to stay in my business until i physically can't stay in it anymore right and then my family's probably going to have to deal with it after i'm gone that's right yeah it's um it's a devastating place to be. I, I, I've had so many of those conversations where you're talking with someone and you are literally watching their retirement plans uh, disintegrate before you, right? Yeah. Uh, my business is worth $3 million. That's going to get us to Florida and the place that we want to buy and that and you can watch as they and and again we're talking about businesses in these examples where the number is lower than they want it to be but there's still a number there's still a number yeah right right but again that 80% now obviously in that 80% are some people that wouldn't accept a sellable price but that's part of the that's that's one of the frustrating things here is how many of us as owners get educated about this stuff by the marketplace right you, you, you hear the stories of the people who list at a certain price um, only to get an offer or two at half that price, which in reality is a fair offer for the business. But because yeah. of their expectations or because of the fact the broker wanted to buy the listing, um, they, they, they lose out on, on real opportunities. Yeah. Um, but again, my, my passion place is, is for those owners who were who are where I was, right? Uh, by all yeah. outward appearances, um, a successful business, but um, just not, no transferable value, nothing there that was gonna create um, a situation a buyer not only would want to come into, but could, right? I mean, what we forget about is that most buyers are gonna be talking to the banker or they're gonna be talking to someone yeah. else that's going to bring restrictions to the table that mm -hmm. are uh, that that are going to be a hard no. So it doesn't matter if the buyer loves the business. Yes, it's a hard no. Yes, yes, and that's that's the other thing that you you brought up a couple things in there, and one of them is is that in the in a lower market, lower middle market, you know, the sub one million business. I mean. If you talk to three people that are going to sell your business and one person says that they can sell it for a million and everybody else says they can sell it for 500, 400, 600, that person isn't going to do anything special to sell it for a million dollars. It's math. Yep. It's math. At the end of the day, you can call, I call bullshit on that every single minute and I will do it till my deathbed yep. is that it's bullshit because nobody has a secret buyer that's going to pay double the money for a business because the math is very simple. As you said before, I have to buy that business. I have to pay that loan back and get a return on my money. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. and and it's that. I mean, part of the um, part of the program we have is is labeled the simple approach, and the premise is this. You know, Damon, if I challenge you and I ask you to pick one, you know, a couple things that you need to do if you want to be healthier. I don't know anything about your medical history, but pick one or thing, two things that you want to do. You're going to tell me I'm going to eat right and I need to exercise, right? We mm -hmm. both know that everything else in our world can go screwy, but if I do those two things, I'm going to be healthier than I was. Well, where's the eat right and exercise to sell a business, right? It's, it's complexity. It's Oh, well, you know, here's private equity requirements. And then, then if you actually study, right, if you actually look at the numbers for the special buyers, right, the private equity, the, the ESOPs, these, it's such a minuscule sliver of the market that ever gets to experience any of those things. Yes. What are the rest of us? Who, who buys our business? An individual who needs to make payments on the loan, and buy groceries for the family, right? Those are the things, if I can't do those things, I can't buy your business. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's exactly right. And even if you do have a business that's in the size range that an individual won't buy it, there's, there's two things that come with that. One, familiarity, the buyers become a lot more savvy in the buying process. And so there are no, stupid money buyers in a larger business. They know the value. They've got a very clear, they know this. And, and, and the second thing is they are far more risk averse than someone's going to buy, than an individual is going to buy it because Damon knows construction. Damon's been a contractor. Damon's work, you know, maybe even run another construction company. He's buying another, another competitor, whatever it is at that level, I'm risking my money. That's right. But, when someone's risking the investor's money, it's like your 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 ninety year old grandmother's last fifty bucks, and if you don't make that into sixty, she's gonna you know she's not making it past Tuesday. That's I mean just that's that's the that's the way you got to think about it when you look at risk and all these other things. So I think there um, there's no my point is there's no easy money in selling a business anywhere. It has That's to right. substantiate it and it has to meet those three basic criteria that you said. I think Absolutely. it's those are golden. And it's it's such an interesting reality of the marketplace that those that are in the sell a business industry make money from businesses that get sold. They don't make money from this um, majority of the marketplace that we're talking about here, right? That yeah. unsellable business. And it's such a negative term unsellable business. I'm a big believer in the positive outcome of owners being negative about their chance to sell because I don't think yep. we have a tendency to change something until we're aware of it, right? We we as business we as small business owners, we're doers, man. We're going to get stuff done, but it's only the stuff that we choose to do something about. And the, the thing about selling a business is there are no outside advocates, right? If you're a business owner sitting behind your desk, I guarantee there's employees coming to you to talk about the benefits program. I guarantee that clients have complaints. I guarantee the IRS is going to drop a letter on your desk. All of these things are going to scream for your attention. Tell me who advocates for you getting yours when it comes time to leave your business. Only you. That's it, right? Yeah. I mean, who, who, else, who else has a vested interest in that? And so we have a tendency to put it off 
and we put it off because this is more important or this is this is happening now and I'm not ready to sell anyways. And what happens is we wait and then we fail. That's yeah. the formula that most small business owners use when it comes to selling their business. We wait and then we fail. And it is a brutal place to be either as a participant and a, or a viewer of others or again, getting to that place myself and realizing how much work I had to do from a place of burnout. Um, I worked hard, I, I made good decisions, I made bad decisions, but there's no question I got dumb lucky because I know people who are smarter than me and work harder than me that were in that place and weren't able to make the changes because it, they waited and then they failed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. how do we do it, Damon? How do we get owners to engage this topic before they're ready to sell their business? You know, that's a good question because I think it's it's almost like retirement planning, right? Nobody wants to do retirement planning until it slaps them in the face and they go, damn, I, I should have been doing retirement planning my whole life or whatever. You know, I think it's some of that is is that and and because we are optimists and we are generally business owners are optimistic they're doers they're worrying about the task at hand they're not thinking about uh the end because it does signify the end too i really think there's a lot of the psychological in that because once i embrace the fact that i'm going to be doing something after my business i there is an end to it yeah and the only thing that i can think of when when i when i try to conceptualize this is there's two ways to end something you see people that have they retire from a job and and it's damon didn't come to work yesterday or, or, or today damon doesn't go to work today and nobody knows damon's just not at work today but there's another way is the day that damon's done there's a big party and we have a lot of fun. We reminisce over the time that Damon had at this business. And, and I'm, I get to hug everybody and I get to say, thank you so much. And this is a great thing. And, and I've, I've been just lucky. I've been in here for 25 years and, and everyone and just feel like family. And you can leave like that and party, eating cake, having a beer, whatever the heck floats your boat. We should think about doing it like that. Because the fading off in the sunset nobody wants that really i don't think um, maybe i'm a weirdo but it, it i think that but we don't think about it like that we don't think about it. it can be a party it can be a challenge and that's the other thing i think it can be a true challenge because if you're sitting here like you were in your desk at that time and, and we got to get to the other ones too because i think it'd be fun but you're sitting there at your desk at that time if you would have just said listen I'm here today. I've I've accomplished all these other things. I've had this business for this long. Let's get it to there. And when I get there, my my reward is I get out. And I think that's another way to do it is is because we are doers to set it. But but again, they have to be have to be ready to think about it. They do, and it has to be an informed goal because Damon, what you just described, I did. The problem is, is that I did it based on faulty information. I did it oh. based on a revenue goal yeah. because I thought that's what my exit was going to be built on. And yeah, but you're absolutely right. I mean, again, I, I, 
I don't want to dismiss the value I had created. It wasn't transferable value. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly had a, an infrastructure and a business and all of that stuff to work with when I finally started to convert. But um, it, when we build towards um, uninformed outcomes, it's brutal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you, you make a great point I didn't bring up before is you could be setting into business, pulling down half a million dollars, living great, and you can't sell that thing. You can't sell it. There's no way in hell you're going to sell it because it's not transferable, as you said. And I think that that being really informed, as you said, is so important because just because you're making money, just because your business is a certain size, uh, <clears throat> You know, we had someone we were working with last year. It was a $40 million business. And they didn't get half of, they wouldn't have gotten half of what they wanted on the open market because of the way that they were set up in the business. Sure. And and these are th these are things that people deal with all the time. And I think you you come back to being informed. And I think that's part of it. And how how is still a mystery to me, but we try to crack it every day. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, um, I try when I when I when I have conversations like this, when, um, you know, I, I put content out on LinkedIn and when we write an article or something like that, the audience that I keep in my mind is me at year nine and a half of that of that first business right or or me at at six or seven years of that first business where yeah. i wish someone had come in and shook me by the lapels and said listen you're not you're not getting it you're you're you're, you're not there um and the again the problem is is that that owner in that place has so many people walking into their office, figuratively grabbing them by the lapels to say, we need different health benefits or this client is gonna quit or whatever it is, um, but nobody does it with this topic. Mm-hmm, yep, yep, I think, I think you're right, I think you're right. So I have a couple quick questions because we're getting up on 45 minutes here, but you, you've done four exits, man, and I, I, I still come back to that and I go, most people haven't got one done and I can see where you did, you, you got your one with what you did. So when you did two, three, and four, was it like two was a little bit harder? I know not the physical work in the business or the mental work in the business, but did you have a roadmap? So like by the time you were in number four, it's like, Hey, I know what I'm doing. I'm rolling down the road with this thing. Yeah, the, it's funny. The, the, there was overlap. Um, the first two sold at the same time. They were sister companies. Okay. Um, and, and so uh, taking that into the to the next two, the, the interesting thing when I look back at it is is this curriculum we use on the site now when we talk about desirable results, duplicatable uh, document. Um, yep. That really defined how I approached this and. I'll give you a simple example. Um, I, we, we know that if you look nationwide at the average multiple for the sale of a small business, it averages around 2.5 sellers discretionary earnings, yep. right? Yep. That's, some are higher, some are lower, that's where they land in the middle. So yep. I would approach my business from the perspective of, I want an exit at 2.5 
What does my seller's discretionary earnings need to be to get there? What steps can I take to make that happen? And it's really a weird thing because um, wanting to exit changes everything, right? I mean, so suddenly there's decisions that would be good decisions if you yep. were going to run the place for 20 years that aren't good decisions anymore. Yeah. I, a real yeah. quick, simple example. I, I, I bought this, this business and I had an energy audit done. And it, you know, it was a it, it facility yep. with a with a lot of lighting, right? And they were old lights, and they were sucking electricity. And the guy came back and said, "Here's what it's going to cost. Here's your ROI." Well, that's the right decision to make, except the ROI was well beyond when I wanted to own the thing. Yep. And I knew that there was no way I was going to say to a buyer, "Listen, the average value is 2.5." But you should pay me 2.8 because I changed these fixtures three yes. years ago. Yeah. But we as owners do that all the time. So yeah. it was about taking an approach. Um, it's funny. I, I when I when I when I coach um, owners, we, we talk about that stuff. And what I remind them is, listen, the fact that you're aware of this and you're building towards it doesn't mean you have to execute that way, right? Because you're planning for a 2.5 doesn't mean you have to list it at 2.5. Hey, list it at three and a half if it, if, if it you know, floats your boat, if you think that the market will bear. Great, but be ready to exit in a, re, you know, in a reasonable place and know that you've built a business that um, justifies that. Yeah, yeah. And it's good that you bring that up because when I talk to business owners and we're coaching them in, in our business, uh, we call it red zone thinking. Uh, you know, anyone knows football, you play different inside the 20 yep. than you do in the rest of the field. And it's it's super simple. It's like you said, I'm not going out and buying a new million dollar CNC machine in the last three years because that's going to take me 10 years to get my money out of it because I won't make any more money for the business unless it's going to increase my profitability to more than pay for the million dollars. So you really have to rethink the way you're doing those things in the last few years of ownership with large capital purchases. Absolutely. The other the other thing I see too is somebody some people are fixated on really nice vehicles. And if you got a fleet of vehicles, right? Good well-maintained vehicles are just as valuable as I go in and trade them in, in every 12 months, you know? 2 3 years. I mean, it's, you know, I've I've been in situations where these service companies will have 100 vehicles and it's like Listen, you don't need to trade them every year or every 18 months or something. Figure out where they run out of, you know, where the, the maintenance curve hits the bell curve, whatever the heck you're supposed to do there. Replace them then because that's just wasted money that's sitting there that you have no transferable extra value in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, again, it's a, it's a, you have to put on a weird perspective and yeah. Um, it, it's uh, it, it, one of the one of the cheats that I that I tell business owners. Um, my encouragement is that every small business owner talks to a broker once a year. Um, yeah, that's a good I, idea. I, I suggest that the, it, it, what it, what it translates to for me, I say, steal an education from a broker. Listen to them. Go through their process. It's going to take you a couple hours each year to give them the financials to to get their intake. Uh, they'll tell you what they think the business is worth. They'll tell you about strengths and weaknesses, shake their hand, thank them. And then a year later, call a different broker and do the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, 10 years down the line, 
you'll be 40 hours into your education about the biggest transaction in your life. You'll have talked with a bunch of different brokers so you know who you like. Uh, and it will get you to a place where there's less surprises when you actually go to execute. Again, I look back on that and I think, how, how did I not do it? And the thing is, is that most brokers We'll be fine with that. You call a broker and say, listen, I'm not ready to sell. I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I'm interested in learning a little bit more about the process. Could you take, are you, you're willing to take a look at my business when I, when I, when I do that? Um, uh, you know, you you might be my guy, but let's, let's sit down and. Yeah. 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 Well, we've got some comments coming in from Ira. Ira asked about staffing and should we be uh, bulk up or be lean on the staff? And I think, you know, really to me, it's right sizing them. Uh, and then uh, he commented again about the brokers will educate you. And Sherry came on and said, still an education from a broker. And that's what you're saying. I think it is a great, great. And uh, Sherry actually lives in Chicago, kind of near you. Um, and then um, and then she says, this is a great, great learning opportunity. And it is. And, and, and you can talk to brokers and 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 really get a lot of information from that, because if you put it into play, like you said, it's not the complexities that kill deals or not make it so you can't sell your business and, and do what you want to after it 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 are the it is the simple things. That's right. That's they right. Are, they are the, the stops. And they are changeable. They are modifications you can make to your business. And usually, it doesn't take big things, right? Uh, it, it's I have to approach this slightly differently because I've got an 18 month or a 36 month timeline. Yep. You know, that little adjustment over time makes a huge difference. And uh, usually the journey along the way ends up giving you a, a, a business that's easier to own, right? Because again, we, we know that a business that's easy to sell is a great business to own. It's yes. got desirable results. It's not dependent on the owner. Uh, right. I, I mean, all of yep. that stuff leads, feeds us as well. Um, again, I'm not a believer that every business owner can get their business here, right? You got to reach survivability before yes. we can start talking about this stuff. And I know that there's a lot of businesses that we never get there. I, yeah. I've owned those businesses and, and, and that's okay. That's part of the process. But if you've built a business that is surviving, it's time. To look at this topic yeah yeah that's good stuff well mike it's been awesome to talk to you and and uh you know i don't i don't think we even got into it but that's tell us how you're helping people nowadays with eggs at oasis uh it's about the the education the content uh, everything on the site is free i do some coaching on the side but truthfully the, primarily what this is is a passion play for me trying to engage owners who are interested in, in making a, bit, a, a change in their business that can result in a fabulous change in their life. Damon, the sale of my first businesses was a life do-over for me. It was a, a, an incredible miracle in my life. And my hope is that we can help other business owners achieve that same thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's been great to have you on, Mike, and and uh, you know, it, every time I talk to you, when I get on the Exit Oasis site, it's ExitOasis.com, uh, right? ExitOasis.com. Yep. Uh, great articles, great information. It's always it's just like 
boom, another piece of practical information that, that you can use. And if I, if you haven't gone there already or haven't heard about it, get on the Exit Oasis, reach out to Mike and, you know, because it is something that you can, you can change, you can change your destiny if you want to. So absolutely. My pleasure to be here, Damon. You've well, thank you everyone. We're going to sign out now from uh, the Exit UA live and we'll be seeing you on Thursday of this week. Thanks a lot. Bye.